many of you know, the Making Room campaign's been going on for the last several months, and many of you have been praying into and contributing generously to this campaign uh, to help us with the expansion of to accommodate the growth that the Lord is bringing us here at Woods Edge. One of the ministries that is directly impacted by this is Hispanic Ministries. And I've asked Ricardo to join us this morning to tell us a little bit. Ricardo Diaz is the senior pastor of Hispanic Ministries and he's gonna talk to us about how making room is affecting them. Why don't you sit down and welcome this morning. Thank you, Michael. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Well, Ricardo, uh, Hispanic Ministries has been meeting in Portable 8 for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how the new building uh, is affecting Hispanic ministries as well as the people who you're trying to reach. Okay, well let me tell you something first, Michael. Uh, Portable 8 has been a great blessing for us. We are quite grateful to the Lord and to this church for, for having it. We have had great experiences there. Mm-hmm. The Lord has been transforming lives there, so we have great memories. But that was a place that was intended not to be for a worship, right. you know, more a kind of classroom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, with uh, the growth that we have been experiencing in the last years, uh, it's quite uh, uncomfortable, <laughs> you know, with the, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, no restrooms. <laughs> and uh, despite, the, you know, the AC and the, heat and the heater, you know, it's quite cold in the winter and very hot during these days, during yes. the summer, but, you know. And, and then we feel a little afraid to invite our friends because most of the people that we are trying to reach, mm-hmm. you know, people, Hispanic people in this area, they come basically, you know, from the middle social class in their mm-hmm. countries. Uh, you know, like professionals, uh, independent entrepreneurs, uh, mm-hmm. people working with, uh, in the oil industry or with tech companies. And that kind of people don't feel comfortable in a place like that. Mm-hmm. You know, in addition to that, most of them come from a Catholic background. And, uh, you know, for our people coming from that background, when you talk about religion or spiritual things, you expect to be in a kind of more religious place. Mm-hmm. And this is a classroom. But now, having, you know, a, a, these new facilities is going to be a turning point for us. Yeah. It's such a great blessing for us. We are extremely grateful for that. That's awesome. So what are some of the activities and programs that you're looking forward to in this new building? Okay, well, let me say something first, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Hispanic, you know, too, too many words, you know. You know, by God's grace, we have been able to accomplish two things. You know, number one, we have been able to develop a great leadership. And number two, we have been able to build a a real family, Mm -hmm. you know, a profound sense of community there. Uh, But we feel that now uh, things are changing drastically, Mm -hmm. that this is a turning point, as I said before, and that the Lord is pushing us out of the walls to reach people in our community. And, uh, And as you well know, we have, for instance, a great women ministry, mm-hmm. more than 120 ladies every week, you know, growing on a regular basis, you know, in a kind of a strong discipleship program, yeah. solid discipleship program. And for this group, for instance, for this ministry, mm-hmm. these new, new facilities are going to be great. But we also are trying to reach men. We have our Sunday celebration. Mm-hmm. We have our big celebration, like a festival with yeah. good food, good preaching. So... There are um, a huge potential, you know, and we are, again, 
excited about that. That's awesome. That's great. So uh, even though you're meeting already in the building, the official grand opening for a Comunidad Hispana is uh, August 26th. Uh, what are you looking forward to on that Sunday? Okay, people is going to laugh now, you know, but let me say something <laughs> first. <laughs> I would like to clarify something, you know. Uh, the Hispanic ministries and any other ministry in our yeah. church. We have the youth ministries, you have the, the children ministries, mm -hmm. and we have the Hispanic ministries. Mm -hmm. This is not another church. This is our church. Mm -hmm. We are your Hispanic ministry. So uh, by uh, strengthening our ministry, we are strengthening and equipping better the church in order to make it room, you know, for English-speaking, but also Spanish-speaking non-believers. And that's extremely important. So thank you so much for contributing in such a generous, sacrificial way to provide for us with this wonderful resource. Mm -hmm. Well, you say, uh, yes, uh, August the 26th, we're going to have uh, the, our dedication. Mm -hmm. We have to have a great day. We are inviting friends, relatives, neighbors. We expect to have a full house. Mm -hmm. And, oh, but let me tell you something else. <laughs> We're going to have a big cross, yeah. you know, like a 15-foot cross in front of the building. Yeah. And by the end of our service, around 12.40 uh, p.m., all the leaders, you know, English-speaking leaders of our church, our mm -hmm. leaders too, are coming to that place to pray and uh, to dedicate, you know, the building, the ministry, uh, uh, the community, to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I would like to invite all of you to come and to join us for such a significant time in our history. That's great. I have, I have the privilege of working uh, closely with Ricardo and he's done such an amazing, he and his team have done such an amazing job reaching out to such a large number of people and we're just so excited for the season ahead. Ricardo, I'd like to ask if you'd honor us by praying for Woods Edge and for us this oh, morning. That's an honor, okay. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful having the privilege to be your people, your children. We are so grateful that you make us part of your mighty army, your church, this great church. Thank you for this church. I pray that you help us, Lord, to be always faithful to you, to live according to the values of the kingdom, not according to the values of society around us. Help us to, to love you, to obey you, to live through your word every day. Help us to proclaim your word in a, with boldness in a mighty way so that city could become a city of God and also to be able to bring hope to the whole world. Lord, thank you so much for making us your royal priesthood, your holy nation, a people, your own possession, that may proclaim the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. We pray all of this in your precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Ricardo, that's great, but if I could say something first. Hola, bienvenidos, buenos dias. I'm just getting caught up into it, and that's the extent of my Spanish. Well, good morning. I'm Joe Lanzlotti. I'm one of our pastors here at Wood's Edge, and if you've been with us for the past four weeks, Denny Henderson, our executive pastor, has been leading us in a series called We on Mission. 
And uh, today's a a wrap-up of that, if you will. Last week, he talked about uh, how mission is messy, and being on mission with Jesus can be messy with people. And so my wife and I, about once uh, a quarter, will take a go at getting all our neighbors together. And so we did that last Sunday on the hottest day of the year. And we had a few pictures of just uh, a barbecue bash where we get and we invite everybody around us. And uh, this works if you have somebody that can cook really good and, and some people that, you know, that have the blow up water slides. Because if you build it, they will come. <laughs> that picture doesn't depict it, but there were kids from all over the neighborhood that I didn't even know existed in our neighborhood. And there was neighbors that invited neighbors that we didn't invite, but that's okay because we got to meet new neighbors. And uh, in that group of people, uh, we've been journeying together with some of them for the past five years since we lived in that neighborhood. And uh, they're great, but I, I will admit that it gets messy at times. And uh, not all the time do I like all those people. Um, but we do love them. We do love them. Well, this morning, I'm going to go ahead and, and just uh, spill the beans. We're going to continue on with uh, living on mission with Jesus gets personal. And uh, for you note takers, I'm going to go ahead and take a risk too and just give you the three points, hoping you don't walk out after I give them to you. Uh, you know, IHOP is, is clear right now, so just sit tight. But, uh, you know, some of you like to take notes, and I want to go ahead and just give them to you so you can write them down, and then we'll continue. Uh, so uh, point number one this morning is Jesus delights in a personal relationship with us, and uh, Jesus designs a personal mission for us, and Jesus desires a personal commitment from us. And so those points will kind of be up there. Um, you know, if you have to go to the bathroom, we understand. We're not going to think you're leaving. So after you write them down, that's fine. But here's my heart this morning, is that, uh, that this morning would be more than just those three points. If we get to those, great. I mean, God gave them to me earlier in the week. And um, if some of that speaks to you, I hope it does. But more importantly, this morning, when we get to the Word of God, uh, that it just speaks to your core and who you are and what you need to hear from God this morning. It's more important that we don't walk away unchanged this morning. And so those points are really meaningless. We just want to hear from the Lord this morning. And uh, we're going to use a passage in uh, the, the end of John. Jesus has uh, resurrected and has gone to be with the Father, but he's come back and he's, he's uh, checking in on some of his disciples. But you need to see a little bit of the backstory before we get to that passage. And so um, the backstory is that, you know, we're at the Last Supper now. Jesus is telling his disciples that, uh, that he's going to be going somewhere that they can't follow exactly. And uh, Peter voices up and he says, no, Lord, I'll follow you. And only will I follow you, uh, I'll die for you. And we know Jesus says at that point, uh, Peter, not only will you uh, maybe not follow me to that kind of heart, but you're going to deny me three times. And so Jesus goes on, he's arrested, and sure enough, Peter denies him three times. And I always thought it was funny that they put in the rooster crows, uh, just to tell time, or it's it just funny to read that for me, that the rooster crowed, uh, and Peter had denied him three times at that point. But now we see that Jesus has resurrected, he's come back, and he finds several of his disciples, whom he left, out fishing. Now these are my kind of guys now, because at this point, uh, they're going back to what they knew. Uh, they went back to something that was familiar with them. They're still trying to pick the pieces up of what happened the last three years that we walked with Jesus. And so Jesus recognizes he's got to come in. He's got to set the record straight. And he's got to pull us alongside one of his disciples, Peter, and have that moment of truth on the beach. And so uh, that's where we're going to pick up. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to John 21 or an iPhone. 
Or if you haven't either, don't feel shamed. We're going to have the passage on the screen. And so um, we're going to pick up in John 21, verse 15. Give you a second to turn there. It's Jesus and Peter having a moment on the beach after breakfast. So in verse 15, it says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter replies, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And Peter says to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. And he goes on in verse 19, after saying all of this, he says to him, follow me. The word of God. Pray with me, church. Lord, may these words be more than words on a page. May, be the, may they be the living word that breathes power and life into each one of us. Lord, they were powerful enough for you to speak them to these common folk men and to guide them on their journey. Lord, may they be powerful enough for us today that, Lord, they change us from the inside out. That, Lord, we would know your heart for us. That, God, we would know your love for us. God, we as a church want to be on mission with you. And we want to be ready when you call us into that mission. Lord, we're grateful for churches in our surrounding areas as well that are on mission with you. We pray specifically for Stonebridge Church and their pastor, Steve Bradley, this morning. Lord, would they hear from you? Would they not leave unchanged this morning? Lord, we pray for those that are on mission with you in our church body with Revival Sports. Yvonne Bikoff and Sergei Krupinov. Lord, bless their ministry. May they have great influence as the leaders of the people that you've put in their lives. Lord, we also pray for our community. Specifically this morning, we pray for Research Forest and the Town Center and the people that live there. Lord, may our influence and the influence that we have as a church grow deep and wide in our communities here in the Woodlands. Lord, we want to be a people that love you first and our mission with you second. Lord, we love you. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Jesus says to Simon Peter three times, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Immediately, we see there's an intimate connection. There's no, um, no nicknames here. It's not Peter. It's not Pete or Petey. I mean, he goes straight to the core and Simon Son of John, I know you. I know everything about you. I know your family. I know where you've come from. I know what makes you tick. I know what makes you cry. I know your strengths, your weaknesses. And Jesus cuts right to it. But isn't that like Jesus? To not mince words, not to, to beat around the bush. Immediately we see that there's this serious but yet tender connection that's happening on the seashore between Jesus and Peter. And it's much needed because we know that Peter denied that he even knew Jesus in the heat of the moment. And so there's probably some shame there. There's probably some guilt. Probably wondering, what's, what's Jesus going to say to me? 
a little bit of nervousness. I mean, I would equate it to when I was a six-year-old and my dad would say, Joseph Francis Lanzalotti III. We need to have a conversation. You know, you pee a little bit in your pants at that moment. And Jesus, do you love me? Simple, poignant words. Now, I would be a little nervous if I was Peter because at the end of the week, if my wife gets me and says the same thing, Joseph Francis Lanzlite III, son of Dom and Kimberly, do you love me? I'm thinking, what did I do this week? I've messed up. Somewhere I've messed up. So Peter's probably a little nervous. But here we go. Peter knows Jesus' faith was rocked. In fact, the other gospel accounts say that after, Jesus, or after Peter denied him, that he wept bitterly. Peter was undone. Peter needed this. It's a beautiful moment of restoration. Do you love me? He doesn't even bring up the denial. Doesn't bring up anything from the past. You know, he could have said, Peter, you coward. How could you? How could you deny me in the heat of it? I'm sure Peter's thinking, well, you predicted I would, so if I didn't, you're wrong, and you're Jesus, so how can you be wrong? And so there's this catch-22 there, but you know, Jesus doesn't bring up any of that. Peter, do you love me more than these? And he might be talking about the disciples. He might just be talking about Peter's life in general. Do you love me more than the things of this world? And Peter responds, yes. In fact, he responds three times, yes. So there's this instant restoration of relationship. And you know, isn't that Jesus' way? That when we've maybe stepped outside of the lines of his plan or Whatever that may be that we know, there's guilt, there's shame, there's embarrassment. Jesus doesn't bring up the past. He simply wants to know, do we still delight in him? Because the truth of the matter is, Jesus delights in us. He delights in you. He cares for you more than anything in this world. And he cares for your well-being, and he cares that you delight back in him. And just like Peter, Jesus delights in us when we're tough to love. Jesus delights in us when our faith is little, when we wallow in self-pity. He delights in us when we're disobedient. Doesn't mean that he condones those things, but he doesn't stop loving us. Jesus delights in us when we disrespect our spouse, our children, our parents, when we hold grudges, when we harbor resentments, when we hold back forgiveness, when we put other people or other things before the Lord, Jesus still delights in us. And man, that's just the picture of the Father's love for us. There's nothing you can say or do, past, present, or future, that can take that away. And that's why we know he went to the cross. So that we could live eternally free from sin and death. It doesn't matter what we've done. He's forgotten it, he's forgave it, and he's paid for it. Amen? So there's freedom there that we get to walk in. There's freedom there that Peter gets to live in, knowing that, now that he's seen Jesus come back out of the grave from the Father, it's starting to make sense. Jesus, you haven't left me. You haven't left me yet. And here he is in the flesh, in his glorified body. Peter, I delight in you. I know you. I'm not going to leave you. I guess the only thing that I can compare it to would be the unconditional love of a parent to their child. And for those of you that have children, you know, or maybe as you were growing up, you experienced it with your parents, or you've witnessed it with other parents. 
There's nothing that can take the love away from a parent to their child. And even in the heat of the moment when there's correction needed and discipline, and I, I, I can know when my son is feeling that moment because he immediately will go to the shame and guilt of, Daddy, you don't love me anymore. And I say, buddy, that's the farthest thing from the truth. I adore you. This moment is to know that you recognize my love for you and the, and the discipline here is for your good, not to hurt you, not to harm you. And that's Jesus' heart for us. Not to harm you, not to hurt you. My discipline's for your love, but just know that I delight in you. The heart of the Father. And Jesus asked him three times and Peter replies three times, yes, Lord, I love you. And the next part is subtle and it's simple and you can miss it. But Jesus responds with three action steps after each, after each time that he asked Peter if he loves him. The first one, when Peter says, I love you, Jesus says, well, Peter, feed my lambs. And the second time he says, tend my sheep. And the third time that Peter says, Lord, you know everything about me. I love you. Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. And it's subtle, but yet it's this personal mission that Jesus is picking Peter up off the ground. He's dusting him off and he's setting him back on his way. Because we know that Jesus predicted that he would build his church on who? The rock, Peter. So he has a mission for Peter. And it's Peter's personal mission. And he's setting forth and he's putting it back on it. And it's simple. Nurse and feed the people around you, Peter. In fact, you're going to have to present my word to them in a way that they understand it and they can chew on it. You know, I kind of think, you know, it might be kind of grotesque, but like the mama and the baby bird. She chews it up and she regurgitates it. But it's a bit much to undertake this morning, but you get what I'm saying. Peter, make it easy for people to, to grasp it, to digest it. And oh, by the way, Peter, it's going to get messy. You're going to have to tend to them. They're going to run around and they're going to run amok. And you have to care for them and they're going to hurt themselves. And you have to pick them up like I'm doing with you. And you're going to have to restore them. You're going to have to encourage them. And oh, by the way, Peter, you can't stop feeding them my word because they're, they're people and they're imperfect and, and they're going to stray. And so you've got to continue to put it in front of them. Help them obey it. Walk with them. Does this start to sound familiar? It's just journeying together through life. You hear it a lot at Wood's Edge. And our mission, love Jesus, journey together and bring hope. Journeying together with people is messy. I mean, Denny, Denny was right on last Sunday. I mean, it gets messy with people. I don't care how, how great you think you are working with people. Even as a pastor, it gets messy. And I don't always have the right words to say. And sometimes I just want to say, shut up. <laughs> and unfortunately, sometimes I do. Jesus uses Peter's strengths, but he also uses his weaknesses and his quirks and his experiences to carry on the personal mission that he has for him. Don't you think that Jesus can use your strengths, but also your weaknesses, your quirks, your insecurities, your fears, your deepest, darkest secrets? Don't you think that Jesus knows all these things, just like Peter? Jesus, you know everything about us. We're not hiding anything from Jesus. And yet Jesus knows all those things. And he knows that he can use it for his glory. The process is simpler than you realize when we think about this personal mission that he has for us. It's simple. Feed my sheep or feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. The process is simple. 
the outcome is grander than we'll ever imagine. Eternities change forever. Forever, somebody walking into the presence of the Lord, their eternity changed from eternal damnation to walking with Jesus for the rest of their life and the life after this. And the mission is personal to each one of us. And it's a journey of feeding, tending, loving, caring, and feeding again. It's in our homes. It's in our offices. It's on the bus to work. It's, it's out our front door. It's right here in this church. It's in your neighborhoods. It's the person that you'll see in a cashier line. It's the person that checks you out. It's, it's the people Jesus puts in your life. That's the mission. And your mission's different than my mission. And it's different to the person who sit next to you because they have different people involved in it and different details. But the outcome's the same. Eternities change forever, church. You know, here at Woods Edge, we have these things called groups, men's groups, women's groups, home church groups. We have men's Bible studies and women's Bible studies. Church, our heart is for us together to walk in biblical community. And it's not always going to be pretty and it's going to be messy, but it's important. The early disciples did it and it wasn't pretty. It was messy at times, but it was important in them journeying through life. In the good times and the down times and the tough times and the great times, they cry together, they worship together, they study the word of God together. Church, if you're not doing this and you're walking alone, you're more susceptible to the enemy's darts thrown at you. I'd encourage you, don't leave today without connecting in the front at our connection center and just asking what's available for me. I live here. We do, we do home church groups based on where you live. And so it's people that you're going to be in close proximity with anyways. And if you don't like those people, well, tough. We learn to love the people that God puts in our lives. It's part of our mission. And they're going to learn to love you. And you're going to learn to journey together. But it'll be one of the most rewarding things you ever do. Some of you in this room are thinking to yourself right now, God can't use me. Joe, if you only knew how messed up I was, God can't use me. I'm too messed up. I'm not ready. If you only knew my addictions, if you only knew my deepest, darkest secrets, man, if I was ever found out, I'm sure there's people sitting in this room thinking if, they, if you knew the real me, and you, you wouldn't welcome me back. That's the farthest thing from the truth. The church is made up of messy people. And if we're all perfect, we wouldn't need this, right? Some of you are thinking life's too hard right now. I can't be on mission with Jesus. I'm hanging by a thread. Church, when you submit your prayer request on the back of your Connect card, and as a staff we read it, I, I read those. I know how hard life is for some of you. I know that you're journeying through a lot, that your faith has wavered, that your faith has rocked. And I know that more than anything, you'd, you'd rather just curl up in a ball and cry and die. And church, my heart goes out to you. And some of you are thinking, I'll obey Jesus' calling as soon as fill in the blank. We all make excuses. I make excuses. We all have them. Jeff, uh, in his devotional he sent out about a week ago, he quoted Rick Warren's book, uh, The Purpose Driven Life. 
And there was a great quote in there because Rick Warren picks all the people that God uses in the Bible, but he points out their flaws and how God still was able to use them to fulfill his, his glory. And so I'm just going to read this little excerpt from that passage. And it says that Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was poor. Samson was codependent. Rahab was immoral. David had an affair and all kinds of family problems. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was reluctant. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist was eccentric. Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha worried. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubts. Paul had poor health. And Timothy was timid. Now that is quite a variety of misfits if you've ever asked me. But God uses each of them miraculously. And he will use you too when you stop making excuses. The church, what if Peter had used all the excuses in his life up to that point and wallowed in self-pity and decided, you know what, I'm not worth it. I, I'm not worthy to tie the, this guy's sandals. Jesus, I know you're asking me if I love you. I just can't. God could have used somebody else to start the early church. But he wanted to use Peter. He redeemed Peter. He went to the cross for Peter. He died for Peter. And he can use you. But he could use somebody else. But he wants to use you. He redeemed you. He went to the cross for you. He died for you. And he has a personal mission just for you. And it's the part that we get to play in the greatest love story that the world will ever know. And Jesus has written a unique piece for each of us. And it is. It's unique. It's unique to your wiring, to your calling, to how he created you, to what makes you come alive, to your passions. You do have passions. And maybe sometimes we ignore them and we hide them way down, way down deep, but they're alive and well. And sometimes it takes getting alone with the Father, connecting with the Father, knowing that he delights in you because he created you exactly the way you are. And we get to play a part in this incredible story. My boys and I, we, uh, we love to throw the football. It's kind of a pastime of mine. My dad and I did it with my brother. And, and, and my boys and I do it. And, and they'll ask me at the end of the night, Daddy, can we throw the football? And I have this cool football. I think it came, somebody gave it to us. Uh, maybe a grandma or somebody. And uh, I read this t-shirt the other day that said, kids are spoiled because not enough grandmas get spanked. Where's my mother-in-law? <laughs> no, it's good. We have this cool football, and it's got the plays on there. And so I can, I can call them into a huddle, and I'll just point to a play. And, and they know, okay, just, hey, buddy, I just want you to do play number seven. It just has you running straight. You just run straight, and I'll throw you the ball. It's that easy. And so I'll line up, and we'll say down, set, hut. And, man, it never fails. Man, he'll run to the left, and he'll run to the right, and he'll do three, 360s, three and then he just takes off running, never looks back. I'm like, dude, I can't throw it that far. Come back, come back. Take, I just wanted you to run straight. In fact, you know what? Just watch me. Follow me. I'll show you how to do it. Isn't that, that's, that's God's heart for us. And we're gonna, 
We're going to deviate. We're imperfect. And he might have the play that runs straight. And, and we're going to go to the left. And we're going to go to the right. And we're going to do a couple of 360s. And we're going to trip. And we're going to fall. And he's going to pick us up. He's going to call us back. Man, I just told you to run straight. So let's try again. Let's try again. And you know what? It's not plan B. It's always plan A. God doesn't have a plan B. It doesn't matter what's happened in your life. You're on plan A. Peter was still on plan A after he denied Jesus three times. And so I don't care what you did in your life. You're on plan A. Jesus just uses everything up to that point, And he sets you back on the path that he has for you. Follow me. Those are the last words that are recorded that Jesus says to his disciples. Follow me. Those are the last words that Peter will hear before he takes off on this mission to lead the early church. And ironically, they're the first words that Jesus tells Peter when he meets him and his brother Andrew in the fishing boat. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men three years earlier. Man, do you think they had any idea what they were signing up for? Heck no. They left everything to follow Jesus and be part of the greatest love story that the world will ever know. And it's not a demand. It's a desire. It's Jesus' desire that we would make the personal commitment to follow him. He's not going to make you. He's not going to require it. But he's going to desire it. And I can only think of maybe an example would be the wedding vows that you make with your spouse when you're standing on the altar and the officiant says, do you promise to love him or her in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, being faithful and true to this person? And we say, yes, we promise. Knowing that it's not going to be easy. Knowing that it's going to be difficult. We promise those things when we're on this earth with our spouse and, and Jesus is asking the same thing. Man, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. Jesus didn't promise it would be easy for Peter. And I think Peter knew that at this point. It was going to be tough. And there was going to be bumps and bruises along the way. But there was going to be nothing greater than knowing the delight that God the Father had in him as he took this personal mission to feed the lambs, to tend the sheep, to feed the sheep, and to lead the early church. And church, it's no different for you and me. It's going to be hard. And when we say we promise we'll follow you, I can't promise that when you walk out these doors this, today, you won't face persecution. We know in the book of James that, that he says uh, in James 1, verses 2 and 4, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind. I don't know about you, but it's hard. We can say that, but it's not easy. To face many trials and consider it pure joy, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then when we let perseverance finish its work, it makes us mature and complete, not lacking anything. So for Peter, after he denied Jesus, that wasn't the end of the story. There's more. Until his dying breath, he's going to follow Jesus. And I don't care what you've walked through today. And I don't care what you've led up to this point. Your story's not through. It's not over. Until you take your dying breath, we're on this mission and it's personal. And God delights in every minute of it. Delights in every minute of it. Some of you know that have journeyed with myself and my wife that 2018 has been a tough year and we're only halfway through. 
My wife and I have experienced three miscarriages in seven months. Her father passed away, my father-in-law. And somewhere in there, our 12-year-old dog died. And um, it was our love dog. We had it when we were dating. And so it's been a hard seven months, church. And, and I just confess before you, I haven't handled it perfectly. As a pastor in our church, I just confess that I haven't been the best husband, haven't been the best father, been the best son-in-law. And it's been tough. Sometimes there's grief beyond belief. There's sadness. There's withdrawal. I mean, I, there's days I don't want to talk about it. And I bet if you've ever experienced anything similar to it, you know what I mean. We hurt each other's feelings. I, I'm sure my wife can attest that I've hurt feelings. I've hurt neighbors' feelings. In fact, I had to have a moment of hard truth where I had to just humble myself before a neighbor and ask for forgiveness because I had just been a complete and fill in the blank. In fact, he called me one. I can't repeat it in church. <laughs> but church, I'm messy. And I know that God delights in me. And I know that you're messy. And I know that some of you have journeyed through some of the toughest things in your life up to this point. And it's hard. But you know, even when we deny the power of Jesus over those things, he delights in us. And he calls us back home. And much like Peter, he gets alone with us. And he encourages us. He reaffirms us. And he sets us back up. He shows us our mission. And he asks us if we would continue on. And it's at that moment that we have to make a choice. That we are going to delight in the Father's love. And that's all we need at that moment. That we don't need anything else. That we know that God is in everything. And so when I read these words in John 21, they personally speak to me. And this is what I hear. I hear, Joe, I personally delight in you. Joe, do you love me more than all the things that you hold dear? Yes, I say. Joe, take care of my family I gave you. Take care of the family I gave you. Love and shepherd the people I put in your life. Joe, keep your eyes on me. Keep loving me. Joe, follow me. Now those are the words that I personally hear when I read this passage. And, and maybe some of you today need to hear those words over you. And maybe you need to know the Father's delight in you. And so just take a moment, if you would, just close your eyes with me. And let's just hear the Father's love spoken over us through his promise here. I personally delight in you. Regardless of your past, present, or future. I personally love you. Do you love me more than all the things of this world? Will you love and shepherd the people I put in your life? Keep your eyes on me. Keep loving me. Follow me. Church, let the words of the Father reign true in your life. Let him comfort you. That he's not done with you. That he personally takes pleasure in you. Exactly the way you are. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible takes place in Acts where Peter is walking into his calling. I mean, he is full on boldly preaching the word of God. He's leading the people in the early church. And it says in Acts 4, uh, verse 13, it says, He's standing before the Jewish council. 
And these people are looking at Peter and John and, and they're saying to themselves that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, I'm just reading out of verse 13 now, and they perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Church, that's it. They were ordinary men. They were average Joes. They were average Joes. Yet they had been with Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They delighted in Jesus. And Jesus delighted in them. And he gave them their personal mission. And he asked for a personal commitment. And church, that's what living with Jesus and on mission with Jesus looks like. It's a journey. It's not promised to be easy. But he takes delight in every step. And he just asks that we, we take delight in him as we go step in step and hand in hand with him. Church, pray with me. Lord, we, we just open ourselves up to you this morning. And we say, Lord, we don't have it all figured out. Lord, we're, we're imperfect people that want to feel your delight on our face. We want to experience your sun shining on us, your favor upon us. And Lord, we know that it's not going to be easy. But Lord, we're trusting that you walk with us, that you don't leave us. And everything that's happened up to this point has happened for a reason. And Lord, we're on plan A with you. Lord, we can leave in confidence knowing that you're walking before us. God, you set our personal mission out before us. When we walk to the left or the right, you call us back. You show us what it is. And we get to be part of this awesome love story. God, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful that it speaks true now and forevermore. God, I pray that as a church that we would live into this, that we would be a church that loves you first and is on mission with you second. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love and your delight. We pray these things. Amen.